Well, good morning. It is my great privilege to meditate on the Word of God with you today. So go ahead and grab your Bibles, and we're going to open to Proverbs chapter 1, and we'll be in verses 20 through 33 today. Proverbs 1, verses 20 through 33. As you're turning there, I wonder if you know that paradise is right here in Warrington. It really is. It really is. In fact, it's, it's just a few doors down the street that way. Uh, it's right here on Winchester Street. Uh, paradise is believed to be the oldest building in Warrington. You see a picture of it up here. Uh, it was built in 1758, so it's been here a while. And so if you turn left out of the front doors and you walk two, two blocks or so uh, down to that big turn in the road, uh, you'll see Paradise on your left. And it's a big, uh, beautiful white frame house uh, with black shutters. Now the reason that that house and so many other historic buildings in Warrington, including our own, the main reason that all these old buildings are still standing is because each one of them has a proper foundation. The hardworking men who built these historic structures that we're enjoying two plus centuries later, uh, they built them wisely. They built them wisely. They laid foundations of stone carefully laid out. Uh, These foundations are comprised of carefully chosen stones. And each one of those stones is carefully shaped and set into place. There's a great deal of care and craftsmanship that goes into building a foundation correctly. And they build foundations to last because the buildings that were going to go on those foundations were meant to last as well. They were meant to be an enduring uh, and positive contribution to the life of this town. And so their successful effort, we can very fairly say, is the result of their skill and their wisdom. Namely, not only did they learn from previous generations of craftsmen, uh, but they also learned from their own mistakes and experiences. They didn't ignore the properties of physics and gravity and the weather. They paid attention to their craft, and they were successful because they listened to wisdom. And so as we take a look at this passage in Proverbs today, uh, we're going to find that listening to wisdom is what it's all about. You see, as followers of Christ, we have a calling to build our lives on a sure foundation so that we can live for God's glory and have an eternal impact on the world around us, namely right here in Warrington. And we're going to begin doing that uh, this evening and, and into the week. But to be able to do this, to be able to have an an eternal impact, we need godly wisdom, don't we? Solomon has already shown us the foundation of wisdom in in verse 7 of chapter 1. He says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. In other words, reverent awe toward God is wisdom. And this is where every wise decision begins. This uh, This kind of godly wisdom is the foundation of life. But what he says next in verse 7 is also profoundly important. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Only a fool, in other words, would turn away from true wisdom. And so this is the theme, the overarching theme of the Proverbs, that the fear of the Lord is the root of all wisdom. And the epitome of foolishness is not to fear God. Not fearing God is like trying to build a house on no foundation at all. 
But you know, there are people uh, who do not fear God all around us who try to entice us away from following God. This is exactly what we saw last time in the preceding passage. Going the way of those sinners instead of God's way leads to destruction. And so Solomon exhorts us, do not consent. And so this brings us to our passage this morning in verses 20 through 33. We have heard the enticement of sinners, and now we hear the call of wisdom. And the message is very, very clear. Wisdom demands a response. Wisdom demands a response. Because there are only two possible answers to wisdom's call. Yes or no. There's nothing in between. There's a right way and a wrong way to build a foundation. And so wisdom is calling. Are you listening? Never mind your husband or your wife or those unbelievers that you saw online or whoever else. Are you listening to wisdom? Are you building a sure foundation or a weak one? Do you want your life to have eternal significance? Well, then listen. Listen to the call of wisdom. And so allow me to read for us uh, these verses in chapter 1 of Proverbs, beginning in verse 20. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded, because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you, when terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity like a, uh, comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer they will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, would have none of my counsel, and despised all my reproof, therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way, and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure, and will be at ease without dread of disaster. The word of the Lord. And may God add his blessing to the reading and the hearing and the understanding of his word. And so as we dig into this call of wisdom, the first thing that we notice is that wisdom is personified as a woman. Wisdom cries aloud in the street, in the markets, she raises her voice. This is a poetic device to help us to understand that wisdom is far more than just a, a concept to evaluate. We're not evaluating the tomatoes at the supermarket. We're, we're considering wisdom, and wisdom is calling us, and she's demanding an answer. Are you going to follow me, or are you going to go your own way you've got to choose because there are real consequences to both ways and you must decide yes or no 
And so as we dig in, we also need to recognize how the whole passage is laid out because it adds to our understanding of it. Uh, First, we see the call of wisdom itself in verses 20 through 23. Then we see wisdom ignored in verses 24 and 25. And then verse uh, 26 is kind of the crescendo of the whole passage. This is where everything points, where wisdom laughs at the choice of fools to ignore her. And then the remaining verses describe all of the consequences of both ignoring wisdom and of listening to her. And it's all arranged in a wonderful poetic device of Hebrew literature called a chiasm. And you should have gotten a handout in your bulletin that's very colorful uh, and lays out uh, the passage. If you do not have one of those, uh, Bob Adnoffy has some more and he'd be happy to to grab one, uh, get you one. Uh, So it would be helpful if you had that in your hand while we go through. And so this is, a, this is a device of Hebrew literature called a chiasm. And we found a, a chiasm the last time when we meditated on the previous passage. A chiasm is a literary device in which a sequence of ideas is presented and then it's repeated in reverse order, but this time with more meaning and insight added as we go back to where we started. And so you can uh, see all of this in the handout that I've given you. And so as you look at that, you can see that verse 33 answers wisdom's call in verse 20. Wisdom calls in verse 20. And then in verse 33, we see the consequence of heeding that call. And what is it? Well, it's a sense of security and being at ease. Wisdom calls again in verse 21, but this time wisdom is ignored in verse 32. And we see that the consequence of ignoring wisdom is destruction. And so wisdom's call, as we read these first two verses of of this uh, passage, verse 20 and 21, we see that wisdom's call is available to everyone. Everybody can hear her. Uh, There's no excuse not to hear her. She calls out in the streets above all the noise and the racket that people make in the course of their lives. We're all very familiar with that. But you see, the reason that wisdom can make her call rise above all of the noise is because wisdom comes from a God who has revealed himself. Not only do we know that God exists, but we also know about his character and nature, and we even know what he expects of us. And how is that? It's because he tells us. He tells us in his word. Isaiah 43, 15 says, I am the Lord, your Holy One, the creator of Israel, your King. Many, many other places, he says similar things. And so the fear of this revealed and known and holy God is the beginning of wisdom. He is the standard of wisdom. And so God commands us in Leviticus 11.44, Be holy, for I am holy. Be holy, for I am holy. This is the guiding principle of wisdom. Be holy, for I am holy. Holiness is the blueprint for wisdom. And so this means that anything that's truly wise is holy. In other words, any wise decision, any wise behavior, any wise attitude, anything that's wise is completely compatible with God's holiness. And the opposite is true too, isn't it? Anything that is contrary to God's holiness can't be wise. And so as wisdom makes her plea so openly for anybody to hear and accept, we've got a decision to make, don't we? 
The call of wisdom forces us to decide about how we're actually going to live our lives because how we live matters. You see, wisdom is about the reality of who we really are, who we really are, and how we actually live our lives. You know, the sincerity of our belief in Christ is absolutely wonderful. That's a fantastic thing. But brothers and sisters, the proof of our sincerity is in whether we actually obey Him. The proof of our sincerity of of loving Christ is in whether we actually obey Him. You see, wisdom's call isn't just about salvation. The Bible always reminds us that salvation isn't just about being rescued from great danger, but it's also about doing, about doing. We are saved from God's wrath, but for what? Well, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 tell us, yes, by grace we are saved through faith in Christ, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, amen. But brothers and sisters, while we don't do anything to get saved, God does expect us to do something because we're saved. Verse 10 tells us what that is. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, that we should live in those good works, that we should actually do them, that we should respond to the gospel. And so through our salvation, God has made us new creatures to do good works and walking in those good works. In other words, ordering our lives after the pattern of holiness, after the pattern of our Lord Jesus Christ, of imitating our Lord. Doing this takes wisdom. And so in the language of our passage in Proverbs, God created us to live wisely according to our reverential awe and fear and love for God. And so we hear wisdom's loud and clear call above the fray in verses 20 and 21. We live in such a loud and chaotic world with so many voices, all of them striving so hard to entice us away from God, away from holiness, away from wisdom. But here's the good news. Wisdom isn't hidden away somewhere for only a select few to find. Wisdom calls out above the noise, And God makes his way plain and obvious. I think our problem, our problem is that we tend to think that his way is a lot broader than it really is. Jesus saved us. And just as we're saved only through the narrow gate, we live only by walking, as he says, by walking the hard way of godly wisdom. Jesus says in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. These are the voices we're hearing all the time. No, go this way, go this way. You don't want that narrow way. Go this way because it's better and easier. But then verse 14, For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. And so we come to the narrow gate with all of our unchecked passions and appetites for sin. And we have a choice to make. If we choose the wide way instead, we're on our way to destruction. Verse 32 of our passage tells us that. 
But once we pass through the narrow gate of salvation, God requires, God requires, He doesn't suggest, He requires that we leave our old passions behind and that we walk the hard road of obedience, that we walk the way that leads to life, the way that's marked by wisdom. And we ought to go that way with a resounding yes to wisdom's call. And we go that way by listening to God's command, be holy for I am holy. And so in verses 22 and 23, wisdom pleads for the simple, the scoffers, the fools to listen because if they do, the consequence is a tremendous blessing, the knowledge of God. So wisdom says, oh, please don't hate knowledge, but repent at my reproof. Good things are waiting for you. But look at verses 29 through 31. We see their response to wisdom. They hate knowledge. They despise reproof. And the consequence is essentially that they're going to reap what they sow. And so in verses 24 and 25, wisdom acknowledges that, that all of these people, the simple, the scoffers, and the fools, ignore her call. Verse 24 says that in spite of her call, you refused to listen. You chose the wide gate instead. And so verse 28 announces a day when it's going to be too late to call on wisdom. This is the oh no moment when, when we realize how foolish we've been. Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. I think of all those times that I reacted in anger to my sons when they needed grace instead. I think of the times that I've neglected my wife out of selfishness. And there's that horrible moment that you realize your foolishness. And you have this overwhelming feeling that you just, you just wish that you could turn back the clock and do it all over again. But you can't. You can't. It's too late. Yes, there are and asking for forgiveness and, and, and there's the grace of God and, and my wife and my sons have given me grace, yes but what is done is done the hurt is still there the damage has been done and your foolishness has become a fact for everybody to see and so calling for wisdom after the fact is not the same is listening to wisdom first. The damage that foolishness causes is not only dangerous, but oh so preventable. If only we would listen, how much better that would be. But wisdom in verse 25 drives home the point and she declares that you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. You know, a wise person gladly receives discipline because he knows that God is going to strengthen and nurture him by it. A person, a person who will not accept wisdom and discipline is unteachable, and that person is setting themselves up for disaster. And this is exactly what verse 27 describes in such a, a vivid way. Terror will strike you like a storm and calamity like a whirlwind. This storm is not a, a matter of whether it's coming. It's a matter of when. 
It is the inevitable result of being a fool. And even if you get away with a foolish life uh, uh, in, in this life with little or no consequences, there is a day coming when there is going to be a day of reckoning for every single one of us. There is a day coming when we're all going to stand before God and we're going to be judged not only by our sincere beliefs, but also by what we have done for him and what we have left undone. Wisdom is calling. Are you listening? Revelation 20:12 And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And so we confess Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. But brothers and sisters, what are you doing for him? Are you, are you living for Christ? What are you doing for him? And so in verse 26, we reach the crescendo where wisdom laughs. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. I want you to notice something here. This isn't God laughing at you. Ezekiel 18.23, God says, Have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God, and not rather that he should turn from his way and live? No, God's not laughing, but wisdom is. The reason she's laughing is because a fool has tried to do something absolutely ridiculous, to build a house with no foundation at all. The fool has ignored wisdom. And not only that, the fool, the fool did not choose the fear of the Lord in verse 29. And so in rejecting wisdom, the fool has rejected God. When we reject wisdom, brothers and sisters, we are rejecting God intentionally. The fool has pretended that God doesn't really care about what he does. The fool has rejected the foundation that God has so lovingly and openly laid out for him to build his life upon. And instead, the fool has chosen his own foolishness as his foundation. And so wisdom laughs. You know, vacations are a time that are ripe for the three most dangerous words in the English language. You've all heard them. Hey, watch this. Right? Maybe you've said them before. But somebody says that and we watch and then we laugh hysterically when the failure that we knew would happen, happens. But the failure that we see here in verse 26 isn't really funny in that sense. Wisdom laughs and mocks because fools have mocked God and his wisdom by choosing their own way. You see, ignorance is not an excuse because wisdom has, has made herself known to everybody, right? She's pleaded her case openly and plainly, and it's just as plain as it was that you would not really be able to jump over that picnic table or balance dinner plates on your nose. It's just as obvious as that, and yet we choose the fool's way. And the only possible result of choosing the way of the fool is destruction because it means that we're ignoring God. 
You know, back in the 1960s, people would take LSD and think they could flap their arms and fly, and they'd, they'd jump off of tall buildings. You know what? Ignoring God is just as foolish, and it has the same results. And so wisdom laughs and mocks because our ability to be wise without God is just as much of a lie as our ability to jump off a building and flap our arms and fly. And so this is a laugh of victory and vindication on wisdom's part. Ignore wisdom and you'll find out the hard way what, really, what wisdom really is. And you're going to find out what wisdom really is when it's too late. But you know, I think here is where the last verse of our passage is so important because it it helps get us motivated. It says, whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. Isn't that what we all want? We all want security and peace and rest in the middle of of a chaotic world. Psalm 112 says that a person who fears the Lord is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. Isn't that what we all want? To be able to be at peace in this world of incredibly bad and horrible news? Well, we can have that peace, but if and only if our foundation is wisely built. And this is what Christ speaks of in that passage that Richard shared with us just a little bit ago in Matthew 7, 24 through 27. A wise person builds his life on a foundation of stone. A fool builds his his life on the sand. But you know, this isn't a parable about best building practices. This is a parable about who we are. It's about who we are. It's about the foundation of our lives. And it begs the question and demands an answer, what is your foundation? You say that you're saved. But are you living out your salvation in wisdom? Are you really doing what Christ is saying to do? You know, I I wonder if there are some of us who are living like chameleons. How many of us, when we walk through the doors of this church, change to the color of the church? And then when we go home, we're a different color. How many of us are the color of holiness at Bible studies and people are oh so impressed with our spirituality and so on. But when we're at work, we turn the color of the world and we just blend right in. How many of us are are the color of solid doctrine and theology? Man, we we can recite the finer points of eschatology and soteriology and all kinds of ologies. But in truth, we turn into the colors of disobedience and sin, especially when we think that nobody's looking. We believe in Christ, but are we doing what Christ tells us to do? You see, Jesus wasn't only speaking of whether we're saved in Matthew 7, 26. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. What Jesus is saying has to do with how you actually live, not just what you believe to be true. He's he's talking about whether the gospel has actually changed you. 
you know, those workers who so long ago built paradise right down the street had plans to go by, and they had a choice. They could either follow those plans or they could just throw them away and make up their own way. Well, if they chose to ignore their plans, I guarantee you that house would not be here today. Gravity and the weather would have destroyed it. You, as a professing Christian, have a choice to make too. Are you going to fear God and live wisely? If you have a Bible in your lap this morning, there's your blueprint. There's your blueprint. Are you going to learn to follow Christ with a persevering obedience? Wisdom is calling. Are you listening? Matthew 7, 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Are you listening? Are you listening? If you cannot be the same person here as you are at home or at work, that really ought to tell you something. It ought to tell you something about yourself. Does your life demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit or the works of the flesh? Does your mouth speak words of grace and mercy or spew the venom of the snake? Is your mind set on things that are above or on the things of this world? And so if you find this morning that you've been living like a fool instead of listening to wisdom's call, and if that thought strikes fear into your heart, then praise be to God because that means the Holy Spirit's working on you right now. And the Holy Spirit has wonderful things for you because God never tells us to be holy without telling us how. He never leaves us wallowing in our sin without hope. He wants us to follow hard after him. And here's how we do it. And it's really very simple. James tells us how in chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Wisdom is calling you right now, today. Some of you may not know the Lord. Wisdom is calling you. It's time to receive him as your Lord. But others of us have walked with the Lord for a long time, or maybe we think we've been walking better than we have, and we need to hear wisdom's call. And so you are surrounded this morning by brothers and sisters who have heard wisdom's call. And so confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. And you know what? Let's fear the Lord together. Let's fear him together, and let's do what our Lord commands us to do. And so I want to urge you, desperately and urgently, do not leave here today without listening to the call of wisdom. Let's pray. Holy, gracious, and merciful God, we thank you that you have revealed yourself to us, We thank you, Lord, that we know that you are a holy God and a mighty God who does mighty and wonderful things. And so, Lord, as you have revealed your wisdom to us through our fear of the Lord, 
We pray that you would work in our hearts. We pray that you would bring us to a place of conviction. We pray, Lord, that you would cause us to be different, to be changed, to be those new creatures you've created us to be so that we can follow hard after you and so that we can do the good works that you have planned for us to do, that we might walk in a way that is worthy of our calling. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.